You know what? Fuck it. Six times the charm, I guess. Oi, oi. It's your boy. Uh, king of the small town New York crowds. Immune to anybody smoking loud. It's your boy, Cameron McLeod. And this is not the Jack Slack podcast. This is the Mischief Cat podcast. Um, this is the Mischief Castle podcast. Fucking solo edition. And fuck it, I can't listen to that. I just need to keep it in the background. Mischief Castle solo edition. Uh, nobody could fucking come to work with me this week because I have basically zero free time to operate in my own life um but yeah this is this is the first solo episode despite somehow going double digits with guests every week and having malachi as a co-host either way here we are uh this is gonna be an experimental one i'm just gonna try to fucking ring out some new bits from this see if I can get a different sort of format working because um, I don't really know what I'm doing with like the desktop audio playing the sort of lo-fi beats live stream in the background but what it does do for me is allow me to whoops it does allow me to do uh, this Really? Bruh. Yeah, it allows me to do that. Which, honestly, I should have been able to do beforehand, considering my, uh, my fucking, whatever, my stream deck, I just never got it set up, but I, I should do that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here by myself. Uh, I'm gonna try and just talk about some shit. There's probably gonna be less jokes in this one, because I don't have a, uh, comedy partners who are bounce off of. This one's also going to be a disgusting episode because you're probably going to hear my mic and my keyboard. Uh, but also the fact that, oh, they gave me two fries. That's nice. This guy really fucking likes me at this McDonald's. You're going to hear me eat because I just got home from jiu-jitsu. And it's like 9.30 and I've only had like two meals today, both of which were like over six hours ago. And that's not good for my health. I'll try to keep that to a minimum. Um, but yeah, big boy's got to eat. So this is a, uh, a sort of off-the-cuff response to uh, there being no Jack Slack podcast this week. No fights gone by. Um, the number two MMA podcast before my own, of course. Uh, source on that is me. No one else, just me. Uh, in case you missed it, you know, anybody who's not an MMA fan listening, Jack Slack's least favorite fighter, Gegard Mousasi, defended his title this past weekend. And uh, Jack is not happy about that. And now I don't use Twitter, so I don't know if he had anything to say about that or if he made any announcements as to why uh, he didn't post an episode this week. I'm just considering it that because I don't have any other form of answer. 
which I don't really care about. I'm not. I'm not a uh, super upset. I'm not going to reinstall Twitter just to fucking yell at somebody I listen to. But another news. Uh, this is the pod beef episode. I'm punching up. I'm punching way up. Um, I've listened to a lot of TMG, a lot of Tiny Meat Gang because I've listened to every fucking episode of Comptown that's free. And I really don't want to use Patreon as a uh, as a platform to listen to stuff on or consume content on. Because it doesn't have a dark mode. Fucking listen to TMG at work, and uh, I pay for Spotify Premium. I listen to all my podcasts on Spotify because, you know, I'm a working class American citizen. I deserve to earn the fruits of my labor. Do not have to having hear ads. Uh, but these motherfuckers, Cody and Noel, somehow put 30 second ads, targeted ads, at the beginning and end of their fucking episodes. As well as have six fucking ad breaks. Same with the. What is it? Chuckle Sandwich? I stopped listening to Chuckle Sandwich because that one's bad. Um, that's a statement I'll revoke if I ever become famous enough to go on that podcast because I love Jay Shalyat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this is me sending out a bunch of Hellfire missiles in every other podcast direction because I'm pissed that I have to listen to ads for fucking McDonald's in Ohio. I got an advertisement for fucking Ohio yesterday. You're like, are you sick of your boring life? Come to Ohio. Ohioans live a, an exciting life of hating everything. Beyond pissed that I heard that. Yeah, anyway. Fuck, uh... Fuck corporate ads. Fuck corporation ads. I don't need to hear an ad for McDonald's. I'm gonna eat there anyway because it's cheap ish and it's near my house you don't need to sell me on that I know it's terrible for me I'm not disciplined enough and I don't make enough money to meal prep fucking everything that's not at all a waste of time or anything I just don't fucking want to I'm not there in my life right now okay hear this McDonald's you don't need to fucking ad advertise to me I get it. Uh, so far, so good on the technical side of things. I'm not having uh, technical problems right now. This is uh, probably sort of the setup I'll be doing if I ever want to record game capture or anything. If I ever get a, uh, a capture card, maybe I'll steal Malachi's. Just in case he, uh, I stole his mic before. I've taken swords out of his house. Stole his cap for a good 20 minutes. Took that thing on a walk around the block. Nobody even noticed. And 
I know he doesn't listen to my show, so I don't have a problem with uh, just saying this. Say nobody listens to this. This is for me. This is for my own ego, so I can hear my own voice in the background. Uh, I'm probably going to be the producer, editor of Ryan's podcast, Ryan, back from episode uh, six, way back when, five weeks ago, if you have that sort of long-term memory. Look out for Ryan's Real Estate Podcast. I'll advertise it again at some point. The name still is yet to be determined, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I'll have some hand in that. Um, sorry if you actually are listening to this. I expect no one will, but if you are hearing this, I'll, I'll try my damnedest to get a co-host. If I can't get any sort of formats out of this. But hopefully something funny happens. Hopefully I say something uh, that I can run with at some point. Because I'm just trying to finish this fucking burger. So I can go into my docket. Because I have things I want to say. And talk about. But uh, you just got to ease through the first 10-15 minutes. Oh. The very famous Lo-Fi Girl constant 24-hour live stream of Lo-Fi hip-hop radio beats to study slash relax to. There's a lot of Brazilians in the uh, live chat, I'm noticing. I'm just staring at the uh, live chat going, just in case I need to run audio through YouTube or Chrome right now. A couple Arabs, but Itachias uh, El Mejor. More Arabic comments. This is fucking hilarious, dude. What are these Arabs doing trying to fucking comment on this American run? Maybe like Canadian fucking live stream. Are they trying to talk to each other? There's other people adding each other in this. But there's no ads in the Arabic. Love this while making Legos. Yeah, me too, Khabib the Eagle. I agree, Toxic Grin. Legos are cool. Man, this fucking sucks. <laughs> R. Raphael says Ukraine Russia war stop, please. No, fuck you, actually. Continue. I'm on I'm on board with this war. Um not saying I support it. Or like I, I pick a side, but the Western world's been too good for too long. I hope NATO fucking loses so that this gay, poopy, global homo goes away at some point. I'm tired of everybody thinking that America, liberal, Western democracy is the only way to fucking exist. And uh, I'm not siding with Russia or anything, but NATO is definitely wrong, too extend beyond their their little piece of cords to not uh, expand eastward towards Russia there's no good people in war 
or there's no right side of history, no wrong side of history. I'm sure I'll get some kind of stupid blowback for like, um, World War Two. Uh, no. I'm sure if your great grandpa who fought at D-Day for America were to look and see how society is today, he probably would have fucking switched sides. Scream When I'm Gone by Katy Perry. No, I don't want to do that. Halfway down to the burger. <laughs> uh, ooh, you're going to Ohio? No, that's an L. Just sit on the plane in the tarmac. Why don't you go to Ohio? We don't have anybody who fucking lives out there. There's nobody to fucking see. Especially early March, too. Like, you're going to head straight to the fucking Midwest. That's horrible. Don't go to the fucking Midwest. Podcast. Sorry, I'm texting somebody right now because nobody's here to... Nobody's here to stop me, except my own inhibitions. Natalie, what do you mean you don't remember what the pot pot is? Natalie, I'm a little mad at you for never texting me back about what I what I requested of you a couple of weeks ago on the episodes because I know you listened to them. I check the analytics. There's somebody listening to it. You claim to be my biggest fan. No, I'm just kidding. I don't fucking care. I'll still make this gay shit for literally no one. Just to throw a resume onto the, the ether. As Tyler the Destroyer once said, you never know who's watching. Yeah, I guess Tyler the Destroyer would have said you always know who's watching. Tyler the Creator said you never know who's watching. Who is Tyler the Destroyer, really, if you think about it? Is it Vladimir Putin? If you anglicize the name Vladimir, would it translate to Tyler? No. It's probably some... Some other guy. I don't fucking know. Vladimir Putin does judo, so he can't be that horrible. I don't buy into Ukrainian propaganda, so you can't get me to hate the man for literally no reason. What have I done, like 15 minutes? Yeah, 15 minutes basically on the dot. This shit's fucking gay. Uh, my 21st birthday's coming up pretty soon. Three weeks from yesterday at the time of recording this. Lots, lots about to happen for me. Um, hopefully all of it is good. Uh, I'm going to get absolutely fucking crunk. My 21st birthday. And then uh, I'm not going to do anything the next day. That's guaranteed. Not to say I've never had a drink before or anything, but I plan on severely 
severely hurt myself and my liver just to see what the what the limit is because I've never known I've always had somewhere to be somewhere to drive to or whatever it would be nice to just take a day off from work afterwards or like not have to go to work the next day because my birthday is in the middle of the week this year it'll be on a Wednesday so I'll take the next day that Thursday off just figure out how to cure a hangover all by myself. Just like the ancestors, just like the pioneers used to ride for miles. Because uh, I've never had a hangover. Because I'm a, I'm a aspiring professional athlete. What the hell was that noise? Sounded like a closet door shutting in here. Man, without content, I am fucking bad at this. I'm fumbling this fucking bag. I'm trying real hard to get to, uh. Real hard to get to 20 minutes. Okay. Okay, that was the last bite. I'm gonna take a quick one minute break. I'm gonna go grab a drink. So I'm fucking. I didn't grab a drink. I forgot to grab a drink. My fucking. McDonald's. That didn't take too long, right? We had some purple cat storm clouds to listen to. I'm just fumbling this fucking bag. Holy shit. Let's see what is this, right? Yeah, there it is. Okay. Now we can actually start the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said earlier, there's no Jack Slack podcast. No flights gone by this week. Um... I don't know why, so I guess I'm just going to do it myself. Uh, what did we have this past weekend? I actually did not watch most of the cards this past weekend. I watched the UFC Fight Night prelims, uh, the Makachev versus Green prelims. I was very bummed about that card um, because Benil Dariush has been one of my dark horses in the UFC lightweight division for a long time. It's unfortunate that he had to pull out of that fight. Not even like two days later, we get Rafael Paziv having to pull out of this weekend's co-main bout at UFC 272 with COVID. Um, so this has been a this has been a very a down week for MMA fans, uh, or at least entry level MMA fans. But yeah, what happened with these cards? Uh, Gegard Mousasi destroyed Austin Vanderford in I want to say three minutes of the first took less than a round three minutes I don't even have the wherewithal and knowledge to shit talk the guy um, but what amazes me about him is that he's in his mid 30s and he's got like damn near 50 wins 
and not even double digit losses. He's got like seven or eight, ooh, like seven or eight losses in his entire entire career, which is fucking incredible. For having that many fights and being at the highest level for a long, long time. He's had fights against everybody. Fucking, I'm pretty sure he fought Overeem before Overeem beefed up. Bef- pre-horse Overeem. Tiago Santos, Uriah Hall, twice. He went one on one though, so that's not that. No, that's not that good. Weidman, fucking everybody. He's at the top of his game when he left the UFC. I'm pretty sure he's on a win streak too when he left the UFC. Uh, yeah, so that was that was the Bellator main event this past weekend. Um, UFC, we had a lot of interesting stuff going on in the prelims. Uh, prelim headliner, you had you had Rongju and uh, so Ignacio Bahamondes, uh, the Chilean up and comer, six three at lightweight, um, an inch taller than me. I think we have a pretty identical reach, too. Um, He's going to be a very interesting prospect for probably years to come. Uh, I see him probably being ranked by the end of of next year, Uh, probably closing in on the top 10 by the end of next year. If he stays at the level of activity that he has had so far in his career, like assuming he doesn't get injured or sick or have canceled bouts to a degree where he'll be sort of inactive uh i assume he'll probably tear through everybody coming his way he's had a a very steadily increasing level of competition so far in his three level in his three ufc fights he's coming off a win against um i uh roberts roosevelt roberts Coming off a spin kick knockout of Roosevelt Roberts. And now he's got a third round power guillotine, power guillotine submission over Rongju. Rongju is no pushover. Um, he looks like he was in the first round, certainly. Uh, he basically didn't do anything. He's making a whole lot of reads through the round away, which I don't know why you would ever do that in a three-round fight. I can see you absolutely affording to do that in uh, a five-round fight because a change of momentum that happens very quickly and then sustains for... The course of three, four, five, or two, three, four, five. That's a uh, a lot easier to score if it goes the distance than uh you know a three round fight. You're giving up a, a whole third and not even guaranteeing that your reads are going to pay off. Um, but they sort of did for for Rongju. I wouldn't have scored any of the rounds for him, but he was definitely coming back. Um, and without the guillotine. That end of the fight, I think he could have at least won the third round, if not gotten the finish. Uh, but Ignacio Bahamondes, absolutely no joke. Guy's a beast at lightweight. I can see him. I think he's still young, too. I think he's like 23, 24, 25. Um, he's not hit his athletic prime yet. I know that for sure. The guy's incredibly skilled striker. He's very athletic. I can see him maybe beefing up a little bit. He hasn't had troubles with the scale as far as I'm aware, but he's probably going to move up to 170 by the end of his career. Or at least within the next five years. Like, by the time he's like 31, 32, he'll probably be at welterweight. I can't foresee his body handling that very well, especially as like a striker who takes a lot of damage. 
He didn't take a ton of damage. He hasn't been like hurt or wobbled or dropped, but at some point, once he hits the higher echelons of that division, he absolutely will be. Um, I imagine he'll probably get paired up with Joel Alvarez very soon. He's a very similar build. It has the same sort of billing as the as the uh, Roseville Roberts fight for him. It was what six three versus six three or six two versus six three. Incredibly dangerous striker. Lots of high kicks. Lots of knees, elbows. Uh, very fast punches from both guys. Interestingly enough, speaking of Joel Alvarez, he got his fucking ass handed to him this past weekend by Armand Sarukian. Uh, turns out Armenians are no joke. <laughs> uh, I never wrote off Armand Sarukian or anything, but uh, I thought this fight was going to be a lot more difficult for him than it was. Joel Alvarez, also no joke, but uh, apparently Armenia is a lot tougher than Spain. In terms of uh, genetic build and pain tolerance. Armand Zarukian controlled a lot of the first round with uh, takedowns and ground and pound. A lot of guys like Joel Alvarez, especially in the lightweight division, don't have very good guards off their back. Uh, even jiu-jitsu guys are mostly like wrestling heavy pressure. Guys like... Uh, Dariush, Makachev, they have a couple footlocks and stuff off their back, but they just usually want to wrestle up and do a lot of guard work. I think Charles Oliveira is probably the only person in the entire lightweight division at present who has any sort of decent guard work off of his back. But yeah, uh, Joel Alvarez. Joel. Yoel. That's no, not Yoel. It would be spelled with a Y. Joel. I don't know how you'd pronounce it in Spanish. I believe he's from Spain. Joel Alvarez, no joke. He's a lot of armbar submissions um, and some slick grappling off his back, but his guard by itself is not. He can kind of get scoffed off. Um, he wouldn't have survived like high level ground and pound. Not to say Sarukian doesn't have high level ground and pound, but Sarukian, I believe, is number 12 at the time of this recording. It's Thursday right now, so I, the rankings are probably updated. He'll probably shoot into like the top 10, which is a painful thought. I don't want to imagine Conor McGregor falling below number 10 in the lightweight division, uh, but that's just me being a fanboy and also half Irish. Yeah, uh, Surakin dropped some nasty elbows in Alvarez's guard, and... Uh, Opens a gigantic cut, like a Nate Diaz caliber cut, on I think the top of the bridge of the nose, or maybe like right in between the the bridge of the nose and the eyebrow of Alvarez. It's a pool of blood in the octagon. Um, they didn't even get it closed up, but uh, that definitely changed the direction of the fight. Going into the second round, a lot of people are saying that they probably should have stopped it with a doctor's stoppage off of that alone. Um, but the blood was not getting in his eye, so they let it continue. But I think that killed Alvarez's morale. Uh, he got kind of got taken down again with ease, and then maybe either due to blood loss or an adrenaline dump or, you know, just not believing in himself, he, he, he got fucking pounded out for like a minute into the second round. Uh, he couldn't really handle Sarukin's wrestling um, and pressure against the cage. An incredible win. I imagine he'll get paired up with somebody 
in the top 10 very, very soon. Probably like Gregor Gillespie. I hope they don't feed him a guy like Tony Ferguson, but Tony needs something to do. He's, I don't know if it's slated to happen, but there's talks that he'll fight Michael Chandler in May on the uh, Oliveira Gaethje card. And Tony's going to fucking die if that fight happens. He needs somebody who's going to wrestle him again um, to knock him out of the rankings. Maybe do like the Dos Anjos rematch if RDA loses to Moicano this weekend. Because <laughs> um, RDA is trying to build up another title run. Um, love the guy to death, but he's had a very inconsistent last like five years. And in all fairness, he does only fight killers. He gets absolutely zero easy fights. Uh, and he hasn't since he's been in title contention for the past 10 years. <laughs> what else interesting was on that card? Um, now that I'm thinking about it. Main event was kind of shit. Bobby Green touches up Islam for a little bit. And then Islam, of course, you know, finds his way into uh, a body lock scenario, works under hooks, and then pressures to the fence until he can use his absurd strength to just drive through Bobby's hips and uh, secure the hands behind the knees, gets the takedown, works his way to three-quarter mount. Bobby turns over, presses his hips down against the, uh, basically just pins Bobby between the, the canvas and, and Islam's hips with his head on the fence. Uh, he's no way to turn out. And uh, he just gets the TKO. Stoppage from there from ground and pound. Really too easy for uh, for Islam. But uh, I'm very conflicted about that win because I do not like Islam Makachev. I think his fighting style is very boring. Um... I think his most interesting fight was definitely the one against Sarukian because they, they're both chain wrestlers. Um, and when you have a guy who's not really trying that hard to defend your takedown attempts, but instead sort of trying to counter them instead of sort of stall against the fence and let you wear yourself out, you get a very interesting matchup. But everybody else in the lightweight division wants to just fucking work their way to the fence and then spread eagle out and get the underhooks and not not let themselves get taken down instead of fighting it and then end up on their back because they were so sure that they weren't going to get taken down. Oh, how could this have happened to me? Now I would just sit with my back against the cage and hold the guy here hoping to get stood up because I'm, I'm bad at thinking through grappling. That's everybody in the lightweight division not named Charles Oliveira and Armand Saruki. Uh, too, too easy of a win for for Islam Akachev. Um and Bobby Green, certainly a credentialed guy. Uh, he was in the lightweight rankings before. He's not right now. Coming off of two very, two very good wins against uh, a credentialed ally, Quinta, and an up-and-coming Nasrat Hackbrast, who he absolutely fucking dismantled. Uh, I won't say controversial, but. A loss to the on-fire up-and-coming Raphael Fazeev. Who, again, is unfortunate that he won't be fighting this weekend. But in a fight, some people thought Bobby won the uh, first and third rounds. Or maybe the second and third round. But 
I don't want Islam in the title picture right now. His win streak is, of course, incredible or whatever. It's, you know, he's got a 10-fight win streak, but he's beaten two ranked opponents, one of whom was only ranked so that they could promote him when he won because, you know, Tiago Moises held on to that number 15 spot because nobody else was... Nobody else was winning that number 15 spot. Um, and they should have kicked Carlos Diego Ferreira out of the rankings before that. But, uh, yeah, in order to make a main event, you need to put Mikachev against somebody who's got a number again next to their name when he's number 10. So they throw Moises in there and they gave him the number 15. Which obviously should bump you up to number 5 in the world. And he did the exact same thing to Dan Hooker in a minute, minute and a half at uh, 2.67 back in October. And now he's done the same thing again to Bobby Green. And I think those are really his only uh, decent wins. Obviously, the fight with Armand Sarukin has aged very well, but that was less decisive. Um... I believe he got a unanimous decision on that one, but that one was very competitive. That one was clearly a fight, and it'll be good for his his nigh undefeated record. But I don't know. I think he definitely needs to prove himself against somebody who's actually in title contention. Uh, I think Benil. I think Benil could walk into a title fight as is. Uh, I think he's proven himself way more. Um, and in way more of a uh, a diverse fashion, I think losses to guys like Edson Barbosa actually paint him very uh, very well in comparison to dominant people like Khabib and, and Islam. These, in my opinion, watching somebody improve or bounce back from losses proves a level of fight IQ, game planning, corner work. Um, all that sort of stuff that shows that you've improved and it makes your wins from there on all the more impressive because we know the capacity that your chin can take or how long it'll take before you before you tap out that sort of stuff yeah uh, I don't like I don't like Islam I think Islam probably beats everybody in the division not named Dariush or Oliveira, which is very, very unfortunate to say, because I hope he never steps in there with uh, Conor McGregor. He's got unfinished business with uh, RDA. If RDA wins this upcoming fight with Moicano this weekend at 260, nope, 272, ah, I corrected myself. If he wins this fight at 272, he'll probably get paired up with Islam again. Uh, Dana afterwards said that Islam is probably the next guy for the title, but I sure hope not. Um, a lot of people don't like this narrative of Conor McGregor walking back into a title fight after losing to. Uh, well, I will see is that while he definitely lost the round to Poirier in their third fight, uh, his fucking ankle broke. And not because of something Poirier did. I really think that should have been ruled a no contest. I think most of those fucking 
horrible leg breaks should be ruled in a contest um, because there's a very clear distinction between offense and defense um, in terms of intention to do harm. Like, uh, within the course of, like, four months last year, we had four four bone snaps at consecutive UFC pay-per-views. I think 263 to 267? No, 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 no. 262 to 266. We had consecutive bone snaps. We had uh, we had Chris Weidman in April snapped his ankle against Uriah Hall. And then in May, I believe that was Jacare Souza getting his arm snapped by Muniz. Uh, June, how was that? The, was that the Adesanya? That was the Adesanya card. That was Paul Craig snapping Jamal Hill's arm. And then in July, obviously, you have the Conor McGregor pay-per-view with uh, Conor snapping his ankle in half. If you look at, um, just as a matter of principle to compare all of those injuries, the, uh, the leg snaps in those fights are off of defense and nothing. You know, every super publicized, obviously, everybody wants to make something about how Connor broke his leg, but... It happened off of a step, like his fucking foot just got caught in the accumulation of damage. When he tried to step back on it, it just gave out. Dustin Poirier did not do that to him. Connor's body did that to him. Um, when Chris Weidman stepped up to throw the hardest fucking soccer kick of his life as a calf, as a calf kick against your eye Hall, Hall stepped into it and defended with the shin. And obviously Chris's leg just wrapped around it like a uh, like a fucking tinfoil $10 bike from Walmart wrapping around a telephone pole at 100 miles an hour. But that was a defensive maneuver. When Andre Muniz snapped Jacare Souza's arm, he was applying pressure as an offensive maneuver for an arm bar. Um, and... Obviously, he popped Jock's uh, shoulder or the bone over over by the tricep. Um, but that's a that's a that's the intention of the move. That's the intention of the armbar is that you know you snap the person's elbow or whatever point of uh, you're applying pressure to. Usually, it won't happen against the arm, but with the uh, artificial fulcrum of wearing a cup in a professional professional fighting environment you're gonna get unnatural amounts of pressure on areas that wouldn't necessarily be the elbow and Andre Muniz with that like uh, slide over the top sort of judo style slick little arm bar he does that he's hit twice in a row now with all that weight um, going down on your arm of course you're gonna get more pressure on places that wouldn't be the elbow and then uh, Paul Craig snapping Jamal Hill's arm with a, uh, a triangle arm bar. That is also an offensive tactic with the same intention. Um, you trap the guy's head and shoulder in place and thusly with his arm 
not free, you can apply as much pressure as your hips can provide while press while pushing off your shoulders into his elbow. So he snapped his arm and then obviously laid down elbows and got the TKO. But I think Chris Weidman should have a no contest on his uh, record. I think Conor McGregor should have no contest on his record there. I think Dustin Poirier did not. I think Dustin Poirier probably could have walked into a title fight with just the wins over Hooker and Conor. Um, but to bill him as having deserved it because of the third fight, definitely not. Because he didn't, he didn't beat him. Um, it's not like a uh, with a new ruling with cup shots or like debilitating fouls if they happen in the later rounds of a fight or like the final round of a fight. You can score the fight up to there if it has to be called to give a uh, a fair verdict. If the person who was fouled was winning beforehand, you know. They probably deserve to just get the the victory instead of a no contest, having it ripped away from them because the other person was being immature or like a sore loser before they were read the judge's decision. Fuck, how did I get here? Uh, Islam, something, something. Yeah. So I don't believe that Connor lost that fight. Um... I think if you take away the take away the leg break, um, I think if it goes the last ten seconds and then they throw those punches, they both miss each other. Maybe one more shot. Like if Connor doesn't snap his foot, he doesn't get knocked down there, and so he loses a ten nine round because the first minute and a half was competitive, and then he gets taken down, and you know the the guillotine debacle. All that shit talk about how submissions don't count. He goes for a guillotine. But even in the judge's eyes, like, it doesn't matter what Connor says. You still count the submission attempt. Uh, and then from his guard, honestly, he had a more impressive guard than than most people <laughs> in that division. And Connor is absolutely not a jiu-jitsu guy in the slightest. Uh, but those up kicks, the elbows, uh, he ate some shots for sure. His ear was pierced. He got that little, that little cherry jello. Popping out of his uh, cauliflower ear. In the the very famous shot of Dr. Stoppage. Dr. Stoppage. There was no check. That, that uh, very now infamous camera shot. That's a... It's a losing round for him, for sure. But if you take away the leg break and they go into the second round, I think that round looks identical to the Chad Mendes fight. Uh, I think he gets out grappled, lands some good shots, you know, has a has a big old gash open on him somewhere on the left side of his head, and I I I wouldn't have counted him out. I was in a I was in a room watching that fight at a family party with a bunch of people who were very um very quick to be little snakes in the grass. They all claim to be Connor fans, but uh. As soon as his ankle broke, they were all like, oh, Connor was going to lose anyway. 
because he's coming off a loss to Poirier. Even though he very clearly changed his game plan through the spinning back kick to open, was more movement based, and yeah, he got he got fucking clipped a little bit. He got he got chinned a little bit, but uh, he could have won that fight if it had the opportunity to do so, or he could have lost it. I don't know. Poirier is still an elite guy. He's holding the number one contender spot for a while for a reason. Uh, what is upcoming? Upcoming this weekend, we have UFC 272. Covington versus Masvidal. I don't really even want to talk about that fight. Um, it plays out one of two ways, and I think everybody knows this. There doesn't really need to be more dialogue about it. But, uh, you know, obviously Colby by grinding decision and or third round submission, whichever happens first. If Masvidal tires out in the cage because of the constant chain wrestling and Colby's endless cardio, then he'll probably get TKO'd or submitted on the ground in the third, maybe the fourth. I don't know. Because Masvidal's only gone five rounds like one time, and it was the first Usman fight, and he obviously had no cardio for that. A lot of people in the narrative saying that uh, he was training anyway, so his cardio should have been fine for that. But... That or, you know, Masvidal can find the magic shot. You know, you got you got eight limbs to work with. It's a puncher's chance times four, theoretically, uh, because there's a bunch of crazy positions that you can end up in. I don't think Colby has any risk of getting submitted, in all honesty. Where he's grappling is definitely underrated, but in comparison to Colby's, it's, you know, he's a peon. It's nothing. Um, and I don't think he'll be as stupid as Michael Chiesa to throw a a, a a jumping tornado back kick, like hook kick, at absolutely nothing after getting one of his kicks caught. He'll probably just engage in pivoting out to get his uh, leg out if he tries to hold on for a single leg or something. So he won't end up in any sort of front headlock scenario that he won't be able to get out of. And uh, Jorge's definitely not the, like, physically strongest guy he's fought. I'd say Woodley or Usman in terms of, like, raw lifting, pushing, pulling strength are the, the toughest guys he fought. And, uh, you know, he obviously lifted Woodley and threw him around like a rag doll and worked his way out of the guillotines. And, oh, oh, fuck, my rib, my rib. Everybody knows how that goes. And he ate the shots from... Usman in both fights. Um, he got TKO'd in the first fight from basically the same position that he ended the second round of the second fight in. And he wasn't out. Um, you know, you see his eyes sort of roll back for a quarter of a second, but by the time he hits the ground in both of those fights, the times he got dropped, he he was still in it. His chin is very reliable. He doesn't cut a shit ton of weight to make 170 so personally I don't see Jorge cracking him on that one um, as soon as I'm done recording this I'll probably pop up on the YouTube and watch uh, the press conference that just happened two hours ago now at the time of recording because I have not watched that uh, I just got home and popped the computer open to, uh, to record this so I can have an episode this week uh, other fights on that card that interest me uh, the Bryce Mitchell-Edson Barbosa fight, you got your classic grappler versus striker. 
um, you know, rip to Edson. I'm a I'm a big Edson Barbosa fan. I don't think he puts on boring fights, but uh, Bryce got his camo shorts, man, and you can't hit what you can't see. That's just how that shit goes. It's a classic phrase for a reason. Uh, but yeah, Bryce Mitchell has eaten a lot of a lot of shots, um, and I think if he can find a way to slip most of Edson's punches and check a couple of the kicks, he'll be able to. Uh, put on a lot of forward pressure, and then Edson will have trouble dealing with the wrestling that leads to the ground, obviously. And uh, as long as he doesn't catch another flying knee like he did on Benil, he'll probably get grinded out on the ground and or submitted. I don't think he'll fall for the twister. I think that's probably a position he's training the hell out of in specific um, because the UFC likes to market the hell out of that move because only he, only Mitchell and Zombie have obviously caught it. Very interesting also that the only two submissions and the only two twister submissions in UFC history both happened in the featherweight division. Um, it's just a nice little note for me. I like the uh, I like that as a piece of trivia. But yeah, Benil had a very very good game plan going into that fight with Barbosa. Obviously, the unfortunate thing for him is that he just got knocked out in the fucking third because he couldn't capitalize on the grappling exchanges. Um, but I think Bryce Mitchell is obviously more than a one-trick pony. I don't think he'll go for the... I don't think he'll even attempt the twister hook position. I think if he gets the uh, the lockdown hook from that position, he'll probably try to reach for Edson's other leg and maybe get a split, a banana split on him, or just throw that leg around so that they're in a... Uh, an inverted 50-50 and probably go for like a calf slicer um, because it, that, those aren't positions that Edson can strike from on the ground. I think he's probably working on his guard, keeping his guard, maybe trying to land some elbows, some Conor McGregor style elbows from guard. Um, I'm very intrigued for that sort of matchup. I, I hope uh, I'm rooting for both guys. I like both guys, but uh, if, if Mitchell can win this fight, I think he'll be kicking off a very interesting title run. I definitely want to see him fight guys like Ryan Hall Arnold Allen, Sadiq Yusuf, um, probably not Josh Emmett. I think Josh Emmett's maybe a little too one trick, but uh, Mavsar and uh, Dan Ige on his way up. Those would be my list of names if if Bryce Mitchell wins this fight. I think half those guys he can probably still fight even if he loses, but I don't think that's very likely. Kevin Holland and Alex Oliveira. This is a very compelling fight. Um, there's a lot riding on the line here. I think Kevin Holland is probably removed from the middleweight rankings regardless of this fight. I think he might have been removed already, even before this. He's making his welterweight debut in the UFC. Third weight class now for uh, for Kevin Holland. I think he debuted, aside from the contender series, which is that middleweight, he debuted against Tiago Santos, and I think that was that light heavyweight back when Tiago Santos moved up. Tiago Santos was number 13 in that division. He was on his way to the title run. So it was 2017 or 18. It was definitely during the second half of the Reebok run when they did the more like paint splotchy bottom uh, style on their on their fight gear. Yeah, yeah. Tiago Santos was in light heavyweight, so he fought at light heavyweight, and obviously he's ranked at middleweight, and he did his five fight run in 2020 at middleweight, and now he's looking to move down to welterweight. Uh, 
this is definitely a striker versus striker matchup. I don't see Kevin Holland trying to wrestle a whole lot in this fight. Alex Oliveira, definitely not a grappler in any sense, in literally any sense. Uh, most of his submission wins are very, very embarrassing, in my opinion. The uh, the Gilbert Burns, I believe that was an armbar, and the triangle to Cowboy Cerrone. Tapped immediately. Didn't even attempt to fight those. So I don't see him trying to engage in any sort of wrestling exchange. Even if Kevin Collin gets hurt, I'll see uh, Cowboy Oliveira probably just shove him off or maybe throw in a couple knees and elbows. He's got very good Muay Thai, um, but he'll definitely want to keep it at range. I believe Kevin Holland has a height and reach advantage on him. But if uh, Kevin Oliveira can use his, his beautiful head movement um, and tricky footwork to fire a higher output, he'll probably... He'll probably land on Kevin Holland's chin. I don't think he'll knock Kevin Holland out, but uh, Kevin Holland will definitely get hurt in this fight because um, he's cutting way more weight. It's 15 extra pounds, and you know he probably dieted down at least five pounds to make it easier. So he's got less muscle on him as well as 10 pounds less water before rehydrating. Uh, is there anything else on that card? That was interesting. I don't think RDA versus Hanato Moikano is a fight that really needs to be talked about. Both guys have been in the UFC for a long time. It's a very proven fight. And I really couldn't tell you the game plan of either guy going in if I would have had to guess. But it's a five-round co-main. I think it'll definitely be very slow-paced. Uh, at least in terms of striking. It's catch weight 160 because Moicano obviously stepped in on like five days notice. I don't know. Maybe it'll... Maybe it'll be exciting. I've always been a fan of RDA. I've always liked his style, but... Uh, I can see, you know, both guys trying to wrestle and grapple a whole lot. Both guys doing a bunch of clinch work. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of effective striking at range for the persistent amount of the 25 minutes. Hanato Moicano, even at lightweight, well, Hanato Moicano, former featherweight, fighting Rafael Dos Anjos, former welterweight title challenger, lifelong lightweight, lightweight champion, very powerful at that weight class. I don't think he'll need to utilize, RDA won't need to utilize as much head movement and um, evasive striking defense as he would against welterweight contenders like Robbie Lawler, who obviously is a much bigger power puncher. Um, and as he did against Covington, obviously in their interim title fight because Covington's high volume will wear the shit out of you. Uh, so it's probably better to just spend a little bit less energy and evade the punch then eat one jab and then get hit four more times trying to process the fact that you got hit once and trying to work for a counter. Those sort of game plans are not going to be happening against Moicano. Moicano, credentialed guy. Uh, I sound like a like an asshole this whole pod episode just shit-talking all these people. <laughs> but, uh... Not to, not to say that these they have massive holes in their games or whatever, but... 
you know, there are very certain styles of fighter that you don't have. They don't have weapons that other fighters need to worry about in certain stylistic matchups. I don't know if there's anybody interesting on the undercard of this one. Let me actually just Google it before I stop talking about this. Because uh, the three or four fights I talked about were all main card fights. Covington, Masvidal, RDA, Moicano, Edson Barbosa, Bryce Mitchell, Holland, Oliveira, Sergey Spivak, and Greg Hardy. Ooh, I don't even need to... I'm not going to talk about that. Jalen Turner versus Jamie Malarkey could be a very interesting striking matchup. I think both guys have the potential to uh, knock each other out or submit each other if they end up hurting the other guy and getting him dropped to the ground. Marina Rodriguez and Yanjan, 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 evil Chinese lady. I don't even want to fucking talk about that. Um, I don't like women's fights outside of the top fives of their divisions, and I think even then it can be pretty boring. Ooh, but Brian Kelleher is on the early prelims. Ah, but he's fighting Umar Nurmagomedov. That's going to hurt my soul, so I'll probably skip that. Jessica I's fight has been canceled. Good. Fuck Jessica I. And Tim Elliott is fighting Tagir Ulanbekov. That is soul-crushing. Tim Elliott and Brian Kelleher are two of my favorite, um, I would say, lesser-known guys for sure. I don't really want to. I don't want to keep watching them lose. Brian Keller is coming off a win, but he he's not going to win that fight. I, I don't see it happening, no matter how much I like him. I got to be realistic about it. Uh, that took me to nearly an hour, which is awesome. Uh, what time is it actually? Fifty-seven minutes. You know what? I'm just going to label that as an episode. Um, cause that was very pointed and concise after about the 20 minute mark. Uh, yeah. See you next week. I'm going to record a second one right now. So next week's episode will also be, uh, mischief castle single player. But, uh, thank you for listening. If you did, this one was m- more fun than I anticipated it to be. And, uh, yeah, cheers.